0: In this holiest of weeks when Jesus was at his moment of greatest emotional anguish and distress, when he was crushed with the weight of his impending death, he asked one thing of his closest friends. He made one request. And it is this. Keep watch and pray. And I want to look at that this morning because when he gave that request, he gave us two profound reasons to do so. And in those reasons, we find, you and I find, a double motivation to pray, straight from the heart of Jesus himself. Now, if the Associated Press has it right, just about everybody in this country prays. They did a study where they found out that 90% of unchurched people pray. People who have no connection to church and don't attend, 90% of them pray. So just about everybody prays. And if the surveys are right, we do it a lot. 59% of Americans said, I pray every day but there's something about prayer where no matter where we are in our life with prayer, we we know that there's more waiting for us. Maybe you're you're here this morning, you're thinking, man, I need to make time for prayer. I need to find time somehow in my schedule to pray. And you're like, if I could just move somehow to become more occasional at least in my prayer life, that would be a great direction for me. Some of you, you're at an occasional, and you're like, man, if I, if I could just move to become more regular and more consistent in my prayer life, I know what that would do for me. And others of you, you're regular, and you're like, yeah, but may it never grow stale for me. I want to have an intimate communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. All friends, this morning, I want to give you these two reasons to pray from Jesus Christ that will move you, that will impel you, that will not allow you to stay one minute longer standing in the ankle-deep shallows, but that you will dive into the depths of prayer to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. I actually want to sprinkle holy salt on your tongue so that you are thirstier for prayer than you've ever been. In this holiest of weeks, let's join Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Would you turn... To Matthew 26, which is on your sermon page, and we'll begin at verse 36. Then Jesus went with them, meaning his 11 disciples. One of them has already left to betray him. He went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. They've just been in Jerusalem eating the Passover meal. And when Jesus set down his cup of wine on the table, He knew, I'll never drink another. My death is now so close, it'll come before I eat again. And in the weight of that, as they leave the city and they go to this place where they've been so many times where there's olive trees, right outside the city, the one thing Jesus wants to do is to pray. He says, sit here while I go over there to pray. And in verse 37, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Have you ever had a grief so crushing that you weren't sure you were going to physically survive it? Some of my ancestors are Scottish. And the Scots have a word. They call it keening. Do you know what that is? When you keen, you let out a groan. You let out a wail. It comes up from your toes as this primal impulse, and you can't even control your body anymore. You just rock and wail. And I can take you, if you wanted to come, to the basement of my house, and I can point to the seat on the love seat where on one of the darkest days of my life, I keened. And the room closed in and time stopped. And I didn't want people around me. I didn't want a lot of people giving me answers. I couldn't have heard them anyway. All I wanted was one or two or three people that I trusted most in the whole world to sit there with me and to pray for me. And that's what Jesus wants in this moment. And so he makes one request. Keep watch with me. And he means, keep watch and pray. You three who saw my heavenly glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, now I need you to see my earthly agony and be with me in it. We know it's keep watch and pray because he says when he comes back in verse 40, couldn't you watch with me even one hour, Peter? Keep watch and pray. He has to spell it out. I didn't mean just stay awake. I didn't mean just stay here with me. I meant to pray for me, to pray with me. And he gives them two reasons to do so. The first is right there in verse 38. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Join me in my weakness. Jesus is inviting each one of us in this Holy Week to join him in his weakness as we pray. He's saying, would you be with me? Would you stay near me? Is there any greater intimacy than when a friend of yours lets you see them at their most vulnerable moment, when you're the one that, 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 that he or she asks to be with them right then? That's an intimacy that's built there that can be built at no other time and in no other way. Some years ago, my friend Michael called me one night, and he said, would you come? My dad's getting near. And I drove to the hospital, and I went up to the hospice wing, and I entered the room, and there was his dad, Al, lying in a blue hospital gown, hooked up to a lot of tubes, unresponsive. His his earlobes and his fingertips were blue, and the nurses didn't think he'd make it much longer, so they weren't even in the room. And in that room, as Al's chest went up and down, heaving like like a long-distance runner on a final lap, there was no one there but Michael and his wife and me. And we stayed, we kept watch, and we prayed. And even though Michael's moved away from this area geographically, he has never moved away from my heart because there was a bonding that happened in that moment when we shared in that weakness that can come in no other way. And Jesus is inviting you and me into that. You know, three months ago when we started Prayer 100, I'm so glad that, that you didn't receive it as, oh, this is some innovation that the staff's decided to try. This is some new church program or initiative. But you received that as an invitation from Jesus. And I've been talking to some of you. What's it been like for you in Prayer 100? One man told me, he said, well, I, I don't know how to talk about this. But he said, I, I went into the prayer chapel and I went to the Western Wall, which is a wall we have set up in there where you, people take cards and they write their prayer request on them. And some of them will say something like, I'm unemployed, please pray that I get a job. Or, or it'll say, my brother's struggling with addiction again, would you please pray that God will deliver him? Or it'll say, my, my parents just got... Divorced, would you pray for our family? And then they clipped those with clothespins to lines of string. And he said, I stood there and I read each card and I prayed for each card. And he said, When I got done, I began to weep. And what interested me was how he described it. He didn't say, I was overwhelmed by the weight of human suffering, he said, I met the Lord. He joined Jesus in his weakness. Another man was telling me what the prayer chapel's been like for him, and I printed it out because I I wanted to make sure I got his words the way he put them. He said, I would say my whole intercessory prayer well has just about dried up. I haven't felt like I could pray. I was struggling with prayer for anybody. In the chapel, I saw that big map. We have a giant world map on one of the walls and started looking at it, gazing at the different countries and thinking about the different people who lived there, I began to feel this burden for all these different people groups and missionaries. I actually plastered myself against the wall with the world map with arms outstretched. And I could almost hear the voices of these people from all over the world, their anguish, their hope, their yearnings and longings he said, it was like Horton here's a Who. And as I drove away, I was going by Main Street, and I just started weeping as well. Finally, the numbness I had felt in prayer was unleashed in me. And you go, what is going on? Is that weird? Is that mystical? No, that's Christian normal. That is joining Jesus in his weakness. Some of you, you may have had an experience and you haven't been able to talk about it because you didn't have a category for it. You weren't even sure it was okay that you had it. You were in prayer one time and you, you were given, it seems like, a special uh, burden or, or grief for a particular person who was suffering or a particular people group who were suffering or a particular thing in our world that that's not right and that needs the kingdom of God to break in. And, and it came to you as like, like a weight and a gift, and you didn't know what to do with it. I think what's happening is that Jesus, whose heart is so full of love, his alone can carry the suffering of the world, took out of that heart, as a way to become intimate with you, one drop of the suffering of the world that he carries, and he shared it with you. It was a sacred trust. And you share that with him. And let me tell you, God's weakness is stronger than human strength because that weakness of suffering for those in this broken world is more profoundly motivating spiritually. It is more energizing. It will give you more perseverance and more drive to do something about it than a hundred do-gooder motivational speeches. It's what Jesus meant when he said, Would you join me in my weakness? Would you keep watch and pray? Now, that ought to be all the motivation we need this week. But Jesus actually gives his disciples a second reason. And maybe this will speak to you. Verse 40 he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Look, if you can't pray for my sake, could you, don't you see that you at least need to pray for your own sake? Temptations are fierce. You need to pray now so you'll be ready for them to come. Here's how you do that. Listen to the way I pray. The second reason he's saying is is gain from me my strength. Not just join me in my weakness, but gain from me my strength. And Jesus, who's been praying close enough that they can hear him, was praying like this, verse 39, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus is one with the Father. He loves the Father. And yet he's fully human. And and he doesn't want to suffer. And so he's saying, here's my prayer request. May I not suffer. And yet I place that under a larger, more profound umbrella request, which is that I want your will above all things. I would rather have your purpose and plan even more then I desperately want to avoid suffering. Isn't this the great temptation of our lives? To avoid suffering. We will do anything to avoid it. I don't know what temptations are going to come to you to avoid suffering. It might be to go to that website, which gives such relief for a moment, and then a deeper shame. It might be, get out of that relationship that you made a commitment to. It might be even to take your own life. That's how fierce the temptations can get. Are you ready? Jesus is saying, pray with me, keep watching, pray, so that you'll be ready now for the temptations to come. Let's see what happens. The others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. They haven't prayed, so they're trying to fight this thing. And Jesus is like, that's not, no. Don't you understand? Put away your sword. Don't you realize I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? I could ask 72,000 warrior angels to airlift me out of this now and I would avoid all suffering. But I just spent three hours in prayer to get to the point where I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't give in to that temptation. I would surrender that under this umbrella request that only God's plan and purpose would go forward in my life. If I did that, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus prayed and he was ready when the temptation to avoid suffering came. Let's see how the disciples did. Verse 73, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter's thinking, "Uh uh-oh. They're going to know me and they're going to know that I'm part of this and they're going to think I'm one of the traitors with this group and they're going to torture me to get out of me who else is part of this whole thing and they might even kill me he can't fight that temptation and he says a curse on me if i'm lying i don't know the man and immediately the rooster crowed the reason for peter's three denials is that he took three naps there is a direct linkage between my not praying now and my not overcoming temptation to come friends i don't know what temptations are going to await you in this next week or month or year But I can tell you, pray that you won't enter in. Pray that you won't give in. Pray that you'll gain from Jesus his strength. Now what am I asking of you this morning? I'm simply extending to you the invitation of Jesus Christ to his closest friends. Keep watch and pray. Jesus is saying to you, join me in my weakness. Find the, ne- the intimacy that you're longing for there. Gain from me my strength. Draw the resources you need to overcome what will come against you later. This is the invitation. This is the week. May you and I not fall asleep.